This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been uh, two weeks since we talked last. Anything new over in your neck of the woods? A lot happens in two weeks, Andrew. I know. I know. Especially this time of month, August. It's crazy to think that this is like the end of summer. Um, just because it, in many ways, it feels like we didn't have summer. Right. <laughs> and like it's, not a Door County summer. Yeah. I mean, we, we did have a, a big, like there were, there were a lot of people up here, but I feel like we just didn't get out to see it as much as we would normally. So it felt like maybe slower. Uh, but then again, like my wife is in service. So every day I'm getting the update on like, wow, Door County is full today or Jarkani's dead today back and forth uh so it it's one of those weird things where you feel like you're just like standing on the other side of the window looking in every once in a while rather than like fully experiencing it the way you normally would well same here i mean i've it's definitely like it's busy the people are here um i don't think like motels in general maybe are a little down probably not as down as they thought they would be and some restaurants are actually having their best year ever um, and, and other businesses are actually doing really well. Door County has weathered the storm pretty well. But um, for me, the reason it doesn't feel like I had summer is because like summer to me means going out to these places and seeing all my friends in the in the restaurant industry and, um, you know, visiting the bartenders or vi- seeing the waitstaff and all these things and gathering. And, you know, I spend 12 weekends a year just engrossed in putting on events and stuff. And so to like go a whole season without any of that is it's just kind of weird. I just feel like it's a stolen summer. <laughs> right. Uh, so why don't we jump into some of the news? Uh, I think that we can maybe start with some COVID-19 updates. Uh, first of which being there's a new COVID testing site that's going to be available for folks, right? Yeah. August 27th, um, down at the Door County Fairgrounds in Sturgeon Bay, they're going to do a it's a combination of Door County Medical Center working with Bell and Health, and they're going to do free testing, no insurance needed, no insurance card information will be taken, and you don't need to be symptomatic. So they're what they're trying to do is just get like a broad swath of this. And you might say, well, if I'm not fe- feeling symptoms, why would I go get tested? But it's kind of a way to get a big picture look at if they can get like a thousand people to come get tested, they can get a larger, even with all these asymptomatic people, you're going to get a really good picture of how widespread the virus actually is in a, in a given moment in Door County. So they're they're hoping they get a, a, a big test, uh, right. a lot of test takers. Well, and the, the big thing for me is that, you know, since you're not experiencing symptoms, uh, it's this is going to be an easy way to get a test. Uh, I got a feeling businesses will probably take advantage of this, too. Just like, hey, if we can get everybody to go down and take a test, then we, we feel pretty good about things right now. Um, even though we still don't have that like quick turnaround, I feel like the, you know, not having to present symptoms is a good way to just kind of have that insurance of like, all right, I do not have it yet, or I haven't had it yet, uh, that type of thing. Or if you do get a positive test, then it's like, okay, even if I don't feel sick, now I know, you know, that I got to, I got to quarantine and do this thing right so that I don't spread it to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get an update from uh, Sue Powers just on what the, you know, some people have emailed us wondering 
about like the active case count, which I've started to focus on more than that total number. Um, Door County has 122-ish, depending on when this comes out, um, total cases. But like the case back in March doesn't really impact how we should be thinking about it now. Um, So the active cases at any given time are usually been under, always under 20 and usually under 15 and often under 10 of late, which is really remarkable for Door County. Right. Um, and, but some people have said like, well, how, how can it only be four if we, they just announced six positive tests yesterday or something like that. And the, the reason being like, there's the lag times built into the test results. And so if you got tested nine days ago and only got your results yesterday, like there, there are instances where you might've, um, in some cases come out of quarantine <sighs> You might have quarantined after getting a test and have feeling symptoms. You might come out of quarantine before you actually got your results back or your results actually got reported um, and came out publicly. So um, in the case of a couple of family members of mine, there were people who at some point waited 21 days for a test result. So they had already done their full quarantine and then some (laughs) by the time they would have been reported as a positive test. So there are some lags built in there. It's not an exact science in terms of this reporting. And then there's... There's there's all sorts of things because they they change how they report and who they're reporting to in some cases, um, both nationally and and locally. Right. Yeah. I j- just to reiterate, like focusing on the active tests because I guess maybe I didn't think of it this way or I I never really spent the actual brain cells to really commit it to my thought process. Like when we say we have 120 positive cases, that doesn't mean that there's 120 people who are sick with COVID 19 right now. And yeah. Like it, it's it's a much smaller number, and it's like yeah, as that number goes up, it's it's a big deal, and we should or it's something to really keep track of. But if you know we break a hundred something like four weeks ago, like we did, the that that number doesn't mean that there is a huge spike in cases. It just means that we've we've got cases every couple of days, but it's it's nowhere near like you know we got sixty plus cases in the last month it, it's the the active cases is the thing to really key in on so yeah and sue powers did say and sue powers being the public health manager she did say a lot of the most recent cases half of them over the last week have been traced back to two large gatherings so it's it's what you'd expect large she didn't say whether that was an indoor or outdoor gathering but um it is what you would expect of people having large gatherings you end up having some of that spread right Uh, One last thing on COVID-19 before we move on to some other news. There's also going to be uh, a a virtual town hall via Zoom on August 25th. Uh, It's going to be Door County Public Health and Door County Medical Center uh, are going to be reviewing some recommendations to businesses uh, about the public health process and then also best practices for what to do when an employee or a customer tests positive for COVID-19, which is something that, you know, we've been talking about like that's been the the focus of our conversations about COVID nineteen over the last couple of weeks because you got businesses who are sh- that are shutting down over positive cases. I think that this is a pretty needed thing right now, especially because uh, when when Husby's closed, everybody looked to Husby's as like, okay, that maybe is the new standard. Let's do it that way rather than having some sort of official recommendations coming from any other sources. Yeah, and it, and these recommendations wouldn't they probably would differ a little bit from like the so called Husby's protocol in that. Um, as Sue Powers has said, you don't, restaurants say, all right, we're going to close down for a deep cleaning. The deep cleaning rack, actually closing to do a cleaning shouldn't really be necessary unless you were just not following the protocols day to day as it was. At this point, everyone should be doing a lot of cleaning throughout the day. So if you had a positive case, like 
cleaning all your surfaces probably isn't necessarily even needed. Um, but it is it's more about quarantining those people that might be infected and making sure that people they came in contact do not go out and spread it. Right. Um, you know, most of the research, I, I, I am actually surprised at how many places are still doing like temperature um, tests and focusing so much on the cleaning, but still not even mentioning or doing anything about the ventilation side of things. But that's probably because our our leadership on this issue has been very slow to focus on the ventilation side as well. But right. um, yeah, that toolkit that they're, that town hall meeting, they'll talk about this toolkit that they're, um, they've developed at public health to help businesses make decisions. It's honestly, it's probably really late to have that come out, but at least it's still going to be there for the fall because we're coming up on flu season. And a couple of things that people are Discussing now at the leadership level is right now the the mandatory mask order goes through September 28th and it the question then becomes like, okay, what happens when that's up? Is the county going to do anything to extend it locally? I don't think there's been a lot of willingness to do that, but um, they should be talking about it now rather than on September 29th. (laughs) And because that that order will expire right before the two busiest weekends of the year in Door County and at a time when there won't be this beautiful weather that we've had where everyone can be outside. So you're going to have a mask order expire right as businesses get swamped with people who will want to go inside. So the the county does have to grapple with that and they should grapple with it now so it's not a panic point and so they can get guidance out to businesses in advance, not in the last second. Um, And there's been a push from community coordinators to make that happen. Not a lot of reception on the county level, but the community coordinators have been pushing hard to get that information for their for their members um and then brian stevens at door county medical center they are as they also grapple with keeping the county up to date on um the covid situation they also have to grapple with the normal ramp up for flu season so starting to get the the regular flu vaccines in and what they're really going to be focused on is trying to get more people to get their flu shots because they don't want to have a bad flu season thrown on top of dealing with COVID this fall. So right. it's going to be as much as it feels like in a sense, a, a sense of relief of going, okay, we're, we've got through the summer without a big uptick. I think probably everyone up here feels relieved at that. Um, but then probably the trickiest months of this are coming up. Right. Uh, because like you mentioned, as the weather isn't as nice anymore. You're going to want people wanting to continue to do the stuff that they've been doing all summer long, going out to restaurants and and so on and so forth. You're going to want it, or those people are going to want to go inside to do that. And I think that that's probably across the board where we're going to see spikes of cases coming in from just more indoor activity. So uh, if you've if you've been thinking that we've been kind of slowing things down, or, or we've maybe maybe been able to get out of this summer in a relatively good spot. Uh, I got a feeling the winter is, is going to bring, you know, a, a whole, and we've been talking about like the second wave. I would argue that this is probably the third wave that we're going to be facing. Uh, but, I don't even think it's a third wave. I don't even think we had, I mean, we're just in a perpetual one big wave that we've never really dealt with. Right. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how things come down. I, I guess my biggest hope is that we, we continue to see more, uh, like top-down leadership for this because it's really the only way that we're going to be able to move forward is if we continue to see uh, procedures and protocols that are leveled out that that everybody can look to 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 move forward with because with without that everybody's on their own and we're just going to be stumbling into the the fall and the winter trying to figure out what to do the same way that we kind of stumbled into the summer 
So, yep. And and school's opening. Right. But one one last update, the local high school sports association, Packerland Conference, has um, recommended that its schools continue with fall sports as regularly scheduled. Um, I I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, although, you know, you've had the Store County Baseball Tournament go on this summer and had, to my knowledge, no cases linked back to it. And they've had some crowds of probably like 100-ish people at some of those games. So that shows that you could do an outdoor sport. You know, it's not massive numbers in, in that crowd and you're spread out around a whole baseball field. So it did show that you could do some things without um, without risk in a small town, it seems. So maybe there is some some baseline for for enthusiasm about high school sports, but seeing as how um, how much schools are struggling to get open for the more important part of school, which is the educational side, I am surprised that you would want to throw the sports side on top of that right now. Right. Um, and this is coming from a guy who lived and died by playing high school sports. I totally get it. Like I, I get the parents push for, um, I, we got to have sports. We got to have it. But you know what? There are tons of kids who get through their days every single day who don't have sports or any extracurriculars. Like it is not a necessity. Right. And when you're looking at the grand scheme of things. So it is interesting that, that people would want to put that in the mix, but hopefully it works. Well, and if, if you're looking at sports, the other side of that too, is like, if, if you're saying like, we need sports because these students need that extracurricular, they need that, that thing that they've come accustomed to. You have to look at the other side of it too. So I was super involved all through high school and college in extracurriculars, but I didn't play a single sport. Um, so for students like me, you're not going to have forensics. You're not going to have uh, theater. You're not going to have probably choir or band. Uh, so all of your options are stripped away. Um, and and th- there's really no way to make those things work necessarily unless you wanted to get into like virtual options for some of them. But I, I feel like that is given the arts budgets that stu- that schools already have, uh, I, I feel like those aren't going to be things that are looked at. So uh, that's the other side of it too. If you're advocating for sports to come back because students who participate in athletics need to have that extracurricular, there there's nothing laid out on the other side. Yeah, I it's I, I would stick to, if, if it were me, I'd be sticking to the core thing and figure that out first and see if you can do that right. in a month and then add. Right. But everyone wants everything. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, first up, uh, an update to a story that we've been following for a while now. So the Egg Harbor condo proposal, uh, this is for the, the center of Egg Harbor where the BP gas station is right now. Uh, it's a 14 unit condo and retail complex that's being proposed. And last time we talked about it, uh, they, they had come back with a smaller design uh, and they were still looking for two variances. And the last time we had spoke, the the Egg Harbor Plan Commission was debating on whether or not to allow the variances because of precedent and that type of stuff. Give me a little bit of, uh, or, or give me the update on where we are with this now. Uh, well, the Plan Commission approved the project, and um, so it's going to go forward. They put uh, a laundry list of conditions on it, and I think Egg Harbor learned from previous developments where they did not impose enough control on any changes. In this case, they have tied two parcels together so that, you know, the shared parking doesn't get lost at some point if part of it gets sold um, or changed. Uh, The developer for basically everything but very minor changes to the plan will have to come back to the plan commission. That's what Sister Bay does. Egg Harbor has not required that in the past, and that's kind of hurt them in in some cases. Um, 
they approved everything except the uh, height variance to the, they, they have a 35 foot height limit in the village of Egg Harbor and almost all the building abides by that, except there's a, an elevator shaft that the developers wanna use to cr provide handicapped access to the rooftop. Um, so there would be a little shaft that wouldn't be visible from the road and set back on the building. Um, but that exceeding that particular rule, um, strange quirk that requires going to the Egg Harbor Village Bo Zoning Board of Appeals, which according to Administrator Ryan Heiss, has not had to convene as long as he has been there, which is, I think, at least five years. So they have to they have to reappoint members because he, huh. he actually said, he goes, based on our list, like, I honestly have to check and see if they still live here. Right. <laughs> so, so they have to um, reconvene that board. It's just, you know, in some of these small towns, a small village like Egg Harbor, 200 people, not a ton of big developments going on there some committees don't have to meet that often. And so then by the time you actually need to throw something at them, you're like, oh, do we still have that? So interesting. kind of an interesting, interesting little quirk of small towns in this yeah, story as well. I guess I would have thought that uh, like any mechanism of town government would have to have like active members in it at all times, right? Like you, even if you're not using a certain board, you'd still have to have it filled, right? Unless it's like a special thing, like a, a committee that's put together or a task force, you would think that the Board of Appeals would be constantly staffed. Well, I mean, it's an unpaid position. So, and then you don't want to have people come in for a, like a random meeting to do nothing. So I could, so they weren't, they haven't been needed in so long. <laughs> so you kind of forget that you even have that, that rule in place that this particular thing has to go there. Huh. Um, but I think, you know, in a lot of villages and towns, you'll have committees that work on a project for a while and then the committee still exists, but you just don't have anything to do. So it just goes dormant and then a couple of years go by and be, oh yeah, we should reconvene yet. So then you have to see if those people are even still interested in it. So Right. You know, I, I have one more question about this and I guess it kind of, it, it's a question for things like the door hotel and, and other things like that. There is a retail component to this as well, right? There would be retail uh, options down the first floor. Mm -hmm. What is that? What exactly does that mean? Uh, so what what could a place like this or the Door Hotel, what types of retail options uh, feasibly would even move in or be available in those areas? Well, there's a large swath of options for something like that. That could be a restaurant, that could be a, a clothing store, um, could be an ice cream shop kind of thing. But what it what the village, this actually, I'm glad you asked this because it, it came up in discussion where they had said, well, this could be like, we could see a, an attorney having an office there or something like that. And what the plan commission had said is, well, we'd rather have that be kind of a, a customer facing retail option, commercial space, right. not, not an office space. Because what you're trying to, the reason you have requirements for retail on the first floor of buildings like this in core business districts, it's to avoid having kind of dead space in your downtown or missing teeth and missing teeth in a, in a, uh, commercial zone can mean literally empty lots like the walkway shops was for a long time in sister bay where the door hotel is going or it can mean just kind of like visually dead spaces where you, if you have a bunch of residential in your core area that means you're not pulling people to walk and mingle and meander through the village because they just don't see another thing for them to go look at right so you want to have that retail on the first floor to keep pulling people through um and, and create a a vibrant scene in your downtown um in this case like i said they they argued against like office spaces kind of don't create vibrancy so you don't want 
a surveyor or a lawyer's office or a, like a dentist's office in a spot like that. Um, so what they're trying to do is create some sort of retail thing. On the flip side, and this happened a lot when I was living in Chicago especially, but in an era when online shopping is dominating the scene now and, and killing small retail and big retail, um, there is a reason to question, like, should we still require retail on the first floor if that's going to sit vacant or just turn over every six months or a year when businesses, when these ideas just go under? Um, so there, and this happened in Chicago, a lot of these high rise complex that would be built in the neighborhoods I lived in, they'd have to have retail on the first floor and it would either sit empty or inevitably get filled by a dry cleaner. Hmm. Cause that's the one thing that their, you know, neighborhoods would always have down there. So it, it is worth a discussion about whether that is still a good requirement or if there's some other way to think about that commercial space that might still avoid that missing tooth feel in that dead space. But maybe it's maybe there maybe there's a different way to do that. Maybe that's through good landscaping or courtyards or public spaces versus necessarily retire requiring a commercial um, experience there. Right. Yeah. And, and this might be the an unpopular opinion, but like I, I haven't necessarily had qualms with this development or the door hotel <clears throat> just because of that retail requirement on the bottom. It means that that space will still be uh, useful as you're as you're walking around. If if it were just a condo from top to bottom or a hotel or whatever, whatever type of residential you're talking about, then it it becomes uh, an area that's that's not useful to people as they're walking around the town. So like there's a height limit in place in in Egg Harbor. I don't know if there is in Sister Bay. I would assume that there is. There um, is. Yeah. But like so I don't particularly mind that this is a big building especially when it's you know coupled around other big buildings like shipwrecked and uh, greens and greens and stuff like that i don't think it's much taller than either of those so to have that retail on the bottom i feel like saves it because it's either like well it could be a restaurant or it could be a shop or it could be a gas station or it could be a condo uh, as long as it has that retail on the bottom you're kind of getting the best of both worlds i i'm totally yeah, open that- for a rebuttal because I, I know that that's probably an unpopular opinion <laughs> No, I th- I think that's like that's the whole um, that's the whole theory behind it is to try and have some trade offs and developers always hate it because the easiest way to make your money back fast is to build something that you can sell like a condominium or a home that you're not renting and you're making that money back over thirty years you're building it and getting your cash out as soon as you can sell it right so that's why every every developer their first proposal usually if they haven't if they don't know anything about a community or they're just bullheaded and stubborn and think they're going to get their way, they come in and just propose condos. And then you, there's usually a knee jerk. Well, you're going to, you can't just have condos in the middle of town. Sister Bay, um, the Marina landing condos on the, just North of Al's got away with it because there was a little loophole in Sister Bay where, um, in the days when Zeke Jackson was the administrator, where some would say just about anything goes. And there was, some of that allowed, but that Marina landing complex today and by the Marina landing is across from the Marina in sister Bay. It is condos. It is an only condo development right next to the boathouse. Um, that would not fly today based on the way sister Bay adjusted their rules. Hmm. And for years before that, it wouldn't fly. It was a little window where that was allowed. And honestly, I can't get a straight answer exactly on, on why that was other than things got relaxed for a little bit. Right. All right. One last thing that I wanted to talk about today, uh, 
Mike Shaw put together a story about uh, a group of older gentlemen who are meeting to drink coffee in the parking lot of the gas station Walmart or gas station McDonald's combination down in Sturgeon Bay. Uh, I have seen these folks meeting uh, and I thought it was very cute. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about this story. Well, you saw this. um, Once COVID hit, people started looking for safer places to gather and um, this included, you know, there's some classic like Door County coffee clatches. Al Johnson's in Sister Bay has always had a a group of guys who meet and have coffee and conversation um, for sometimes every morning or at least every Saturday. Um, And these guys too, down in Sturgeon Bay, and these guys would always meet at McDonald's and, um, you know, figure out uh, everything anybody needed to know about Sturgeon Bay. (laughs) Um, And it's it's a bunch of guys who've been around a a long time, not to date them all, but you know, it's, it's Dan Osted, longtime um, county board member, John Burns. Uh, you know, I know him as a baseball guy, baseball coach, and a guy who can talk baseball and sports like few others. Um, and Gary Bellin, who used to drive the Door County Bookmobile. And those guys get together uh, anywhere from five to 10 of them, Rich Walt and stuff. A lot of good yappers in there. And, uh, you know, they're just, shooting the breeze and with COVID they couldn't stay inside. So they started just setting up some chairs and maybe a couple small tables out in the parking lot of McDonald's. So it's right. uh, just kind of curious when you, you drive by and you're like, what are these guys up to? Are they, is this a brat fry? It's like, Nope, Nope. We're just having our morning coffee in a parking lot. So right. I admire their ingenuity. And uh, socially distanced too, which I think is, is a good, uh, it sets a good standard for everybody else too. They're, they're spread out in their, their, chairs uh, and enjoying each other's company in a safe way. Uh, And I think that that's great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the first thing Mike Shaw has written for us. He was a longtime uh, Door County Advocate contributor. Um, And, you know, it's good to have him. He's going to write some features for us here and there and write some sports stuff now and again. So it's nice to have his voice in our pages and and get another another eye on the county from from a guy who lives down in Sturgeon Bay. So. Uh, look for him a little bit more. We're glad to have him. Right. Uh, so let's wrap up. The Wisconsin Podcast Awards are still uh, accepting nominations for Best New Podcast, Best Podcast of the Year, Best uh, Comedy Podcast, whatever you want to uh or whatever you want to nominate. Uh, And if you enjoy the work that we do, if you're still listening to the podcast here at this point, I would assume that you probably do. Uh, You can head over to wisconsinpodcast.com, fill out the short survey to nominate us. You can nominate us for whatever... whatever category you want, uh, favorite Wisconsin podcast or, you know, podcast of the year, whatever you want to, you want to nominate us for. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, we hear a lot from folks around town talking about how much they appreciate the podcast and we really appreciate you listening. And if you want to support us a little bit more, I think that that's a cool way to do it. Uh, if you haven't checked out the door County pulse show on YouTube or on Facebook, uh, come out with a video show every week that does a little bit of a recap of some of the stuff that you can find in the pulse, but also scours door County social media to pull in interesting stories. Uh, we've got a cool one coming up this week, uh, talking about the Perseid media shower. Uh, I also take a walk through Ephraim because, uh, Miles, you wrote a story about how it's the one year anniversary of the sidewalk, uh, completion over in Ephraim. Uh, So inspired by that, I decided to take a walk through there to see just how walkable it is and had a pretty good time with that. So I would check that out. That'll be out as you're listening to this podcast this week as well. Uh, Anything else that you want to mention either about the Pulse this week or or things people should know before we wrap up, Miles? 
Uh, no, just that they're, uh, well, yes. Um, <laughs> the, uh, there are a couple other articles I should point people to. Um, Patty Williamson, it's back in the paper this week, wrote a great feature about man's mercantile up on Washington Island, part of her mm-hmm. store series on this old store in which she is diving deep. I get emails from Patty every every other day with updates about new stories or new stores that she has heard about from Southern door County. So keep those coming. If you, if you want to share some stuff with Patty, um, there's also, um, Deb Fitzgerald looked into voting returns from the August primary. It turns out there we had our um, largest, uh, turnout ever for a primary election in door County. Nice. Um, and then you had, uh, we continue to look at the situation with the Egg Harbor Fire Department. Um, there has been some controversy surrounding the department and some resignations there among firefighters, uh, largely traced to what what some some would say is a personality conflict. But it is raising some concerns about whether or not you know as you lose, it's hard to get volunteer firefighters in Door County, and as you lose those, what does that do to response time and what does it do to the trust and morale of your department? And so many of these departments rely on inter-department cooperation. So it, it's there's there's a lot to be to be figured out still in in the town of town and village of Egg Harbor. They have a joint fire department. They had a big meeting last night. Um, no, nothing to report came out of that meeting that they did in closed session. But we'll continue to follow that. Um, find out what's what's going on with kind of a firefighter revolt in Egg Harbor. Right. I, I think with that, Miles, uh, we'll wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much for chatting with me and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.